I'm Anthony. And I'm Jason. And you're in Queer and Present Danger. Jason, how's it going? Anthony, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. And whatever day it is to whoever is listening to it on not a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so how are things with you? Um, Pretty good, pretty good. I'm just uh, sitting on the Monster High uh, feed on my Instagram and Tumblr, just waiting for them to reveal all the new characters from next year's movie um, from San Diego Comic-Con, where they're doing all their announcements. Um, In between, I'm taking breaks to watch Miraculous Ladybug, which I learned about from the toys they released at San Diego Comic-Con. So so really, I guess I'm just like in the midst of San Diego Comic-Con. I totally, like, didn't... I don't know what what's wrong. I mean, I actually think it's because I've been overly absor- absorbed in all the political news that I have, oh. I've, like, been totally disconnected from all, like, the nerd news that's been coming out of the <laughs> CDC. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Um, it was funny. Um, when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. There are other things at San Diego Comic-Con besides toys. That's cool. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to learn about. I didn't what even know SCCC <laughs> had a toy section. <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. Um, yeah. It's all these like Comic-Con cool. exclusive toys you can buy and things like that. So Yeah. Well, I think we should talk about a whole, a whole bunch of stuff that came out of um, San Diego Comic-Con. So, oh, so like what, what? Is this, what is this Miraculous Ladybug that you ta- you're talking oh, about? Oh, okay. So Miraculous Ladybug, I first saw it um, when I was tracking queers in comic books. Not because it has any queers in a comic book that it has, but because it has a tie-in comic book. There's a comic book you can get um, that's Miraculous Ladybug. Um, Miraculous Ladybug, the source material, is a television show by Disney France. Um, and it's essentially uh, about this girl, Marinette, um, who lives in Paris and she gets magic ladybug earrings that turns her into a ladybug themed superhero. And, um, the boy she has a crush on in school, uh, gets a magic ring that turns, turns him into cat noir, the black cat, uh, superhero. And he's a supermodel. Um, and, (laughs) (laughs) um, and so cute. There's a bad guy that I think is, I can't tell if the bad guy is meant to be his father or that's just like a fake out that they're doing. Um, I don't know if it's that sophisticated, but you know, uh, we'll we'll find out. Um, And they, they end the end of the season. They introduce Volpina, who's like this uh, Fox themed uh, villain character that um, I'm excited for her to be a continuing character um and yeah it's a cute show it definitely plays into um all of gender stereotypes like it's it's definitely sitting very comfortably outside of the bechdel test um but it's fun and uh it, it's about a it's a TV show about a ladybug superhero, which I think is amazing, mm-hmm. and and uh, her biggest power is that she can constructs these Goldberg machines just instantaneously, um, <laughs> so it's great. Uh, yeah, she just like she has her her main power. She goes Lucky Charm, and she gets a object that will that is the key to unlocking whatever Rube Goldberg machine will defeat the enemy and then she looks around and spots everything that will do it and it all turns 
spotty like ladybug and then she has a, her little 30 second rube goldberg machine um she tells she orders cat noir around so in that sense she is definitely the leader of this pack you know um mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then they defeat the baddie and it's great they do the bad guy's name though who so the it's much like power rangers right like it's about a bad guy who creates other bad guys and in this it's explicitly mm-hmm. said that that's his sole superpower is that he can create other bad guys to do his bidding um but his n- name is hawk moth which is the hawk weirdest moth? name to me and makes me go like there must actually be a hawk moth right like his name they couldn't be like so he he uses little moths and i'm assuming mm-hmm. they're hawk moths but okay hawk moth yeah i okay. am not a it is a thing yeah so <laughs> they could have called him sphingadai sphingadai um, but they called him Hawk Moth instead. Or Sphinx Moth. They should have called him Sphinx Moth. That would have Ooh, been much be cool. cooler. Yes. Um, alternately, they could have called him Hornworm. But um, I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little confusing. Um, uh, that could be very French, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's fun. It's a fun little TV show. I've only watched a few episodes of it. But um It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Like I said, it's Disney France. It reminded me a lot of Code Lyoko. It's the same sort of animation style. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure even if it's by the same people or if it's just that that's what I think all French superhero anime is now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. So cool. that's what I've been getting into. Have you been hearing anything from San Diego Comic-Con? Oh, so many things. Um, so uh, one of the things I wanted to briefly talk about was um, a whole bunch of news came out about um, the animated version of The Killing Joke that is being produced and animated, you know, um, by Bruce right. Tim, who's the much, you know, the very much beloved, uh, you know, longtime DC animation person. Um, he was the animator behind um, the original Bat- uh, Batman Adventures um, uh uh, animated animated series, and then has done, has gone on to done many other DC animated um, productions, um, such as the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, uh, the recent um, uh, oh crap, what was it? I can't remember what it was called now, but it was like the alternate version of the Justice. Uh, uh, it was an alternate version of the Justice League with um, oh, what is it called? But it, it had like a it had like a Mexican Superman and. Uh, oh. Wonder Woman, who was from the, who was from, um, it's uh, not the villains like, one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, they're not villains. They're just okay. like, they're heroes, but they're like dark. They're like, they're like darker. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. Though. Right. So it's and not like the crime Bat- syndicate. Bat- no, it's not the crime syndicate. And, and like Batman's actually a vampire. Like yeah. It was, I mean, yeah. So like he, he, you know, um, and, and it was interesting because, you know, uh, uh, the, that film was, I think, the last uh, animation DC animated project that he's that he's worked on, and um, that film I I don't think it was rated R, but it was definitely um, for adults, it not was, for children. It, yeah, it was definitely for adults. It was definitely you know it was like very explicitly. Um, I think he described it. He like he he was like it's not in grim dark. It's not like you know like Man of Steel. But it's definitely <laughs> more adult and everything, which is like you know, it, I I I personally like it uh, mm-hmm. when you know uh, when animation doesn't always have to be for just for kids. Um, but then also at the same time, uh, uh, so so 
uh, the reason why I bring that up is because um, uh, a while ago it was announced that um, it was Justice uh, League Gods and Monsters. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, exactly, Gods and Monsters. But so it was recently announced that um, that the Killing Joke, which Bruce Timm is is directing, um, mm-hmm. would be rated R, and people oh. were kind of freaked out about that because they thought that it was it was explicitly to allow um, for kind of more explicit. Uh, representations of you know Batgirls, uh, of what happens to Batgirl and that and that comic and you know the the, right. the implied rape and the sexual assault that's you know kind of implicit in in what happens to her um, at the hands of the Joker. Um, so, but the there there's been a whole bunch of surprising news that's been coming out of uh, out of um, SCCC around that project specifically it was revealed that there, there are a number of kind of canonical changes that are happening um, the, the big one um, that was announced like I think today or yesterday was that um, Batman and Batgirl actually have a relate are in a relationship um, or have some uh, it, it, yeah so basically you know there was a scene that was that was that was released that's been pa- being passed around on the internet where it basically has been revealed that Batman and Batgirl um, uh, have had sex, which is what? I, I have all kinds of trouble with that. Um, so, and uh, do we find out how and, Robin feels about that? I don't know. Probably um, really jealous of Batgirl. And, and, and there's, and there's an, I mean, there's a number of changes because, like, one, you know, at at the time of the Killing Joke, um, Barbara Gordon was not um, in costume and and being and you know, serving as back as actively as Batgirl. Right. Um, she was like taking care of her dad. Um, right. So that's like a really big change to you know Batman and Batgirl have never had a sexual relationship. Um, Batgirl is like significantly younger than um, Batman, um, and uh, and. It also um, it also kind of changes kind of the the, the, the like the core um, I guess like mechanic of uh, you know the violence that's inflicted on Batgirl um, because it uh, one I mean in in the scene that we saw uh, Batgirl calls Batman um, uh, because she's trying to get back into his good graces but he's like you know really giving her the cold shoulder yeah. um, and then she's like you know like stop pushing me out it was just sex it doesn't have to mean anything but it obviously ah. does mean something um and it's like and it's just it, it it turns barbara gordon who's like you know one of the uh you know one of the kind of like the the the, the more mold-breaking um female superheroes um to being this like you know emotionally needy uh you know side piece for batman and yeah. it, 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 it's it and then so but then it also casts the whole you know batman's like uh kind of um revenge against the joker his zeal throughout the entire film or i mean with, with uh, the story about you know t- you know uh either rescuing her or or doing her justice it it, it changes from this kind of like you know coworker or or at least like paternal thing to this like weird sexual tax toxic mas- yeah. masculinity like you know, uh, I must, you know, defend the women that I have claimed thing. And it's kind oh, of yeah. great. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the killing joke has always, was always very homosocial comic books in 10 in general tend to be very homosocial. Um, but it just kind of like even further kind of, uh, places the women, the woman in this story in, in a really weird, 
you know, like mm-hmm. paternalistic, sexual, psychosexual place, which is uh, I don't feel super com- comfortable with. Right. Exactly. Also, um, I don't know if you want to talk at all, but I also have like another kind of like beef with Bruce Tim. Um, I recently Ooh. saw this like really great. Um, like chain on Facebook or on Tumblr about like people asking like why does Bruce Tim get a pass um, specifically in how he depicts women um, in his you know media um, because there's been a lot to do about you know like unrealistic you know you know uh, depictions of women's and women's bodies and like women's costuming and um, oh yeah and because like, it's so cartoony yeah I mean like but but also there's just so one. Um, uh, like one of the weird things, uh, one of the things that that that, that people brought up is that um, his his women, um, uh, women in his uh, the way that he he depicts women. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. very much in the same way that comics do, but like they all all, all the women, uh, even if they're wearing like you know skin tight, uh, you know uniforms, they're, mm-hmm. they they have boob socks. So basically, both of their boobs are very prominently displayed. You know, right? You know, even in spite of like compression garments <laughs> that you, right. know, you would wear. Um, and so, uh, uh, and, but then also like the other thing is that like, you know, Bruce Tim, his, 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 his animation style is very much, you know, inspired by mid-century pinup girl kind of like um, mm-hmm. uh, illustration aesthetics. And so all the women are like, they all look like five foot nothing and mm. are wayfish and like have these like very extreme hourglass figures. Um, mm-hmm. And all the men are these like huge barrel chested six foot mm-hmm. five you know giants like right. I think like yeah like the 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 woman's like waist is probably smaller than the man's head and so it's <laughs> it's there's a lot of like so like, like, it's it's just it's just this I mean like his it's it's hard to do, to be mm-hmm. so critical because you know it is very stylized and it, and, it, right. and it is drawing from like a very specific kind of um, uh, uh, visual vocabulary, but at the same time, it's like if we're holding other artists to you know what we see mm-hmm. as like a more more heightened or evolved aesthetic, then I think the same thing could be said about you know Bruce Tim. Also, all of the women in his in his in his shows um, kind of look like the same person. Um, so I just pulled up Marvel's Marvel Heroes as drawn by Bruce Tim. Um, off geekytyrant.com, which is a, a collage of just a whole bunch of women from the um, Marvel Universe. If you if you search Bruce Tim, uh, they're all pictures of women. Like there are a few collages where there's a whole bunch of guys, and you can see exactly that. That there's pretty well, pretty much not not a lot of difference in his body types. Um, mm-hmm. And, but again, it's like all women and like you said, they're all very stylized. It's all this very like sixties feel, um, for his, uh, drawings, but yeah, they they all have exactly the same body. Now in terms of their heads, all the hair is all different. There's difference in the faces. Um, but like, yep. Same body, same body. Um, and, and it is, like I said, it's very cartoony, like, I can understand how it's not the first person who pops to mind when you're like, who gives me unrealistic? Because because the whole style is not going for realism. It doesn't necessarily yeah. spring to mind. But it is true that like 
If you look at this picture of Marvel Heroes as drawn by Bruce Tim on your Google by Googling Bruce Tim, uh, there's no difference in the women that he's drawn. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there's something to be said about you know how like, like I think that, that I think the reason why people aren't as as critical of him and his, and his art style is is because you know you know like there, there's this kind of notion that that that, that pinup is like classy and mm-hmm. um, yes. Right. Well, it's retro. Right. There's there's like a difference between like like pinup and like cheesecake. Right. Uh, There's a very fine line between pinup and cheesecake. Very uh, fine. um, I feel like a lot of the artists that that we harp on more readily, like Greg Land or um, Frank Cho, are very much in like the cheesecake. Well, I mean, like Greg Land is in the pornography land, but right. But yeah, and so and so I, I, I. but I still think there's something, there's something there's something to be said about, um, like uh, the depiction of women, and also just like the 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 uh, the the weird kind of normativity of bodies in in his world, and I think that's just mm-hmm. something to be said. Yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving awesome. right along. Yeah. Let's move along. Um, yeah. It's another, another I would like to hear what other people have to say about. Well, maybe I'll read some Bruce Tim criticism. Yeah. Um, but some other cool things, things that came out of um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, really quickly, Rebecca Sugar, who is the creator um, of Steven Universe, which is which we all know and love, um, recently came out uh, during a panel as bisexual, Woo-hoo! which is awesome. Um, and speaking of, and actually this is like a, a great a great jumping off point, because one of the things that and I love bi. about, and she's bi, yeah, she came out as bi, uh, and one of the great things that I love about um, Steven Universe is that kind of in 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 our talk about Bruce Tim is that Steve Universe uh is is animated show in which there are people of like all different kinds of body sizes and body shapes um mm-hmm. you know no, irrespective of their gender and basically everyone like gets bo- body positivity you know no matter like mm-hmm. what their shape is what their size is i mean not it's not, and that's not to say that everyone thinks everyone is is hot but it's more that like everyone for everyone, at least somebody thinks they're hot, um, right. which is like kind of a great thing. Um, yeah. And especially considering how like the gems, very much like because they can be whatever they're 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 light constructs, like they can be whatever shape or you know how, or present themselves any way that they want. And right. so their shapes, you know, skinny or tall or short or or round or fat, you know, those are all shapes that they choose intentionally and mm-hmm. are still seen as like as as awesome and beautiful and all that stuff. So shout out to Steven Universe. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially as a contrast with Bruce Tim, right? This idea that um, there's complete um, self-control over, well, I don't know. Maybe not necessarily. I think there's an interesting idea in terms of like, we believe that we have the, abil- the ability to control what our bodies look like. And to some extent we do, I think, but to some extent we don't. And yeah, it's interesting how you can come in. Like if Bruce Tim were to hit the crystal gems concept, would he just draw everyone exactly the same or would oh, he I'm, I'm go for differentiation? Sure <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. It's just interesting thinking about, like, if we look at Mystique, right? Mystique always chooses a form for because yeah, she can, exactly. has complete control of her form. She just decides to go with the one that is 
the most appealing to the men reading the book. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which makes no sense. Nice. Yeah. So, um, other things that came out of, of San Diego Comic Con, um, the um, Marvel Netflix shows were really show, you know showing up in force. Um, mm-hmm. They released a whole bunch of footage for, uh, I guess, their next three um, TV properties that are coming out: um, Luke Cage, uh, Defenders, and Iron Fist. No news right now um, about. Uh, any footage from Jessica Jones season two, which I believe has been announced, which is very exciting. Um, I don't know when it's going to fall. I imagine it's going to fall sometime after Defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, um, what did you think of all the of all the trailers? Um, I thought uh, it was. Okay, so the Defenders trailer was just a teaser. Um, it just mm-hmm. kind of revealed who the cast would be and like. Um, I guess you noted that it was Stick's voice that was was had a line about them, uh, despair yeah, about, about, about their ability. The to four save of you New think York. you can save? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and that looked good just because it was like, yes, it's happening. Woo! Um, the Luke Cage trailer was good. Um, I always wonder. Ever since someone introduced the idea that it might be a toxic idea that. Um, black men are super strong and bulletproof in today's society um, when they're being policed so um, Mm -hmm. differently than everyone else. Just watching that trailer and seeing Luke Cage just like do all this uh, vandalism in terms of property damage in order to, I'm sure, save someone. Like the whole point of this thing is that he's going after all these people Mm-hmm. You know, the people that were on, on the flash drive. Um, so he's going to, out to save people, but watching him, like, destroy things and then beat people up with ease and wrap them in car doors and then get shot at a million times without being phased is very much made me like, what? How does this interact with our, with our yeah, archetypes it's of blackness? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like, I think that there is something really, in, like, you know... Especially, you're right with, with the whole policing thing about the, there's, there's there's actually something like like interesting about a bulletproof black man uh, when black mm-hmm. men are repeatedly being getting, shot all know, the time, all the yeah. time. Um, and then there's also this thing about you know him being a Harlem hero, um, but then like which for whatever reason that means. I mean, it's it, it, I think it, it it's a hard line to walk because, between you know like mm-hmm. yes it's, it, like, black people should get to be the full range of human experience good and bad and so mm-hmm. you know like i'm all for complex interesting mm-hmm. um you know and we don't need a 17 you know, black villain characters black hero who um, controls lightning yeah yeah <laughs> that's true i was watching what, what was i watching um uh I, I just I just rewatched um, Young Justice and in season two, you know, like one of the the leaguers who is featured prominently in in season two of of of, of just of uh, Young Justice is Black Lightning, um, mm-hmm. but then also uh, Static Shock like shows up and so it's just like oh two Lightning Black guys and it's just like yeah weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, and and they have a nice uh, banter about like oh I, I could be your mentor, which is like kind of like a, a you know. DC's like mantle passing thing and that that could be cool. But um but I guess back to back to Luke Cage. Um, yeah, definitely. I, 
Yeah, I think my I I I didn't have so much of a problem with like you know the the semiotics of of, of that so much. I was mm-hmm. just, um, I don't know. I I think I felt like the other, um, the uh, you know w- uh, with Daredevil and with and with Jessica Jones, they like the, the at least the trailers um took such a like like a strong um like stylistic uh like have vocabulary. Um, mm. for their shows um, that I kind of like really, really, I like immediately kind of understood that like what, what the show was trying to say or what the show is. Um, I didn't get that same um, other than, other than the soundtrack, which actually I really liked. Um, yeah. Uh, and, um, but other than that, like the, the whole, um, what we actually saw of the footage it's just in terms of the lighting, in terms of the acting, in terms of the action, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get a feel for like what if if like you know what kind of like you know, uh, visual or or cin- cinematic references that they were really kind of like dropping down, mm. um, because like Daredevil very much, you know I felt like they were leaning hard on a lot of the you know like gangster film New York noir mm-hmm. kind of stuff, um, and with Jessica Jones um, also also very noir but also it, it was like dreamy and you know uh diffuse with color and all this stuff mm-hmm. um and with luke cage like everything i was really surprised with like how i felt like badly lit everyone was and that's something <laughs> that that, I, that I, I've, I've actually been reading a whole like a bunch about like recently um uh we'll be talking about this later but um john cho mm-hmm. i was reading an, an interview with him um in i think the new yorker magazine about how uh like how people have so the interview was asking him about like the differences between depictions of Asians in Asian media and depictions of Asians in like Western Hollywood media. And he was, and mm-hmm. one of the things he brought up was like, Oh, people like in Asia, we're full human beings. And so they know how to light us. They know how to like costume and <laughs> put makeup on us so that we look like, like so that we look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, they don't know how to do that in 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 Western stuff. And he he mentioned like um, a yeah. movie that an, an early movie that, that Tay Diggs had been in, um, where there were it was like a you know it was large ensemble cast, most, mostly white. He was probably the only black uh, character in the in in the film, and he was like really poorly lit and looked like you could barely see. I mean, <laughs> you could barely see his features because they didn't know how to light him. Right, um, right. And so I was just like I was exp- I don't know I I, I thought the and, and and granted, this is also just an early trailer, so color correction and all that stuff could still be coming down the way. And so I, I, I yeah, I was, um, I was just like, I was, I was just expecting like something, uh, like really, like um, mm-hmm. stylistically kind of like clear, um, right? Because I yes. don't necessarily know what the show is, other mm-hmm. than. Yeah, um, Luke Cage being strong and punching people in the face. Exactly. And... Yes. And it was a completely one note trailer, right? All we saw about yeah. about Luke Cage is Luke Cage has an old man who cares for him, and he's a badass. Like that's all yeah. the trailer was. Yeah, and I mean, I have, but I have like such faith, though. I don't know. I I I watched I'm the interview. For it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 there for it. I'm I'm going to totally watch it. Uh, and I I I, I do have to say, like, from the... in terms of like the resonance with with um. With current events, like the scene of him just walking and getting shot was powerful. I mean, like it was, it was exactly what is on my mind every other five, every other minute of the day. So it yeah, was yeah. interesting. Um, 
Yeah, no, and yeah, and then there was also this like whole I don't know, like uh, uh, I was I was worried about how much you know, like the the this whole false narrative of, of like black on black crime um, mm-hmm. being a thing, and I was like, uh, I mean, like yeah, yeah, it's it's like you know, we should have black villains that are interesting and nuanced, but also it's like um, I think part i mean i mean part of of luke cage's uh 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 comics history is you know mm-hmm. um it's very much like sticking up for black people against kind of you know white nonsense so oh yeah i also had i also had those yeah. feelings too um it does seem I'm like it's gonna be it. a pretty like closed race show right like the villains and the i mean i think that i think yeah, it is i don't mixed, know but... i mean yeah, I mean, most I think most of the the casting that's been announced um, has all been black actors, yeah. which I think is awesome. I'm really excited about Misty Knight. I'm so excited about Misty I Knight. I know. That's um, the thing. It's like uh, there, I we've had these like predominantly white everything's, and so now like we need all. There's these amazing black characters all throughout Marvel, and Marvel is investing even more every day in more, you know, awesome black characters, um, and. Now, now they'll, we'll finally have them enter into the canon of the the cinematic mm-hmm. universe. So, yeah, yeah, and it was really because I was just wanted to say that because I, I, I was watching a, an interview with um, Luke Cage. I can't remember. Crap, I can't remember. Mike Colt, I think is, is, is the actor's name. Um, I think Luke so. Cage and uh, the show creator, who I don't know his name. I will look it up. Uh, um, they were having with I think IGN, and they were talking about the show um, and kind of what, what to expect of it. And they kept on bringing up the kind of like the musicality of it or mm. like the, the sonic quality of it, which it was like mm-hmm. really exciting actually. And they were um, uh, and they kept on referencing like like '90s hip hop, which um, I know is like a personal cultural blind spot for me, and I need to do a lot more research and like you know learning about. So maybe that. that's what but the that... trailer was reflecting. There were moments where yeah, I was I th- like, "Is that like Eight Mile?" Like, yeah, I think I. Th- I mean, I, I think that they, 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 they might be going for, you know, uh, like that kind of, you know, because, you know, like, like during the 90s, like shit was really super segregated. And yep. um, and uh, I think they, they may be drawing on those tropes from kind of 90s hip hop culture, which I think is, will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm psyched about it. Yeah, I just, definitely. Yeah. So moving on. Oh, but uh, and then also, yeah, the Defenders trailer uh, was a thing. I didn't see. It. I didn't think it was that interesting. Um, and then Iron Fist. Uh, I mean, one thing to be said about it is that uh, I'm surprised with how much like footage they have. <laughs> like I, I didn't think that they had been filming all that long. Um, yeah. We all know my feelings about White Danny Rand, and that's fine, and that's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Finn Jones, um, which sounds like such a fake name. Um, <laughs> uh, who plays Danny Rand? Um, I was uh, I, I just had this like like this like this this, this uh, funny thought that like oh yeah like Finn's been having like a a really like you know scruffy year like between Game of Thrones and yeah um, and very I just, just like you know ratty and like overgrown and everything. Um, I was uh, I was like I mean not, to, to say that I was disappointed would be uh, kind of give, giving um, too much credit in terms of like how much I expect from the show. Um, but you know, from the only like the minute that we see, uh, we see you know, um, Danny Rand. Uh, it, it looks like he and his family like have a plane a- plane crash, and he like, crash lands in Kunlun or some, or some, or some. Oh, uh, the, that makes the sense. Magical Asian yeah. place, which is and not quite what happens in the comics. Um, but 
but like the only Asian characters that we see are like Tibetan monks. Right. Um, right. Well, I mean, in that sense, right. They're kind fine. of, they're right. kind of being like, okay, so we're not gonna He's not going to be the mystical inheritor. He's going to be a, a happenstance character. Right. They're trying to, is that know. what they're trying to do? I don't know. I feel to me that sounds like trying to dull the appropriation. Maybe. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I've been doing some research just to see if I can find anything about the trailer, but Mike Coulter was right. Uh, that is Luke Cage. Um, but all that is is all I'm finding is like, uh, will Marvel embrace hip hop now that Luke Cage? Every episode is going to be named after like. Uh, I think they said hip hop duo or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like Marvel Comics Company, there, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's coming out about. Like, they they just announced a whole bunch of um, variant covers of. of no, not not, not oh, okay. yeah, variant covers um, for Black Panther, but also um, a, a spinoff series. So there's, there's a whole um, yes. World of Wakanda anthology yes. comic series that I'm super psyched about because I want to totally. know all about Wakanda. Um, and, and it's going to feature the, announced... the lesbian Dora Ma. I can't. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The 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 Dora Milaje, um, Thank you. Uh, couple. Uh, and uh, but, but but that what's even more exciting about that is that um, that specific um, uh, comic book is being written by Roxanne Gay, who's like mm-hmm. this amazing black feminist uh, theorist and, and writer and critic. That's um, how I found out about feminist. it. Someone retweeted yeah. her tweet where she said, "So I'm writing a Marvel comic book." Oh, Roxanne Gay is so great. Um, <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. So like, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's a, and then like, you know, like the new, the new Iron Man is going to be, you know, a young black girl genius, which is like mm-hmm. hashtag black girl magic. Um, so like, it, it, it's an interesting time <laughs> for, for Marvel. What? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. Black girl magic. It's all total hashtag. You totally look at it. It's, it's, it's I'm... all about, you know, a black woman kind of like lifting up and, and celebrating, uh, kind of uh, the awesomeness of being a black woman. Well, that sounds actually yeah. beautiful. I was really hoping it would just be about black girls doing magic. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that too. Um, yeah, it can be both. Yeah, one can be a metaphor be for both. the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. That's it was awesome. funny because uh, speaking of black girl magic, this is, to- this is a total tangent. But I was catching. Up, I was like. Uh, finally catching up on all of um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And there's there's this yes. one episode where where Rebecca falls asleep on a plane oh. back to New York because her life is shitty. And she has... A, and she, you know... Had, oh my God, Dream uh, Ghost? She's... Her Dream Ghost... Um, I sing uh, that song all the time. Her. And I'm like, this is just a song about <laughs> complaining about your job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so she has this... Uh, the, the, her, her, her therapist, Dr. Procopian, visits her in her dream. Um, and, uh, her, her doctor is, you know, a black woman. Um, and then it was this weird thing. Cause like, I was like, Oh, this, like what I, I was, I was torn because like, I love the, the actress who plays Dr. Hercopian. She's a great, and she's a great voice. And she's like, I'm totally there for her. She's such great presence, but also like, I was like in this, in this episode, she's kind of like a magical Negro. And I don't know how I feel about that. Mm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I had that thought, but we can move on yeah, from that because it's like not related to anything at all. <laughs> I feel like you could tell Rachel Bloom that, and they would address it next season. Yeah, they probably would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that show has has some interesting racial dynamics. Because um, like, like, like they have. It's weird because like, I feel like like it's some of those. It's, it's in the same vein as like Tina Fey's attempts at kind of like 
diffusing like racial weirdness in her mm-hmm. shows, but more successful because like I think about you know, in Crazy Ex Girlfriend, there's one of Josh's you know hometown friends is named Means and he's like Mexican, mm-hmm. and like the first thing uh, you know he he says and everyone says whenever they say his name is like it's not. Like it sounds racist, but it's not because he's really into be- he's really into beanie babies, um, which is like <laughs> right. funny. Um, it was good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I've forgotten what it was. I, I do remember they were like, "It's not racist," because I was like, "What was the singer?" Or what was the reason? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, I've started. I said singer because I've started reading. I was like, look, I googled hashtag Black Girl Magic. I saw. Oh no. There we go. That's the internet automatically playing things. Thanks, internet. <laughs> um, I went on to Instagram and it was awesome. And there's this awesome picture of Serena Williams that Essence posted. And um, then they had, have this whole series. And that's what I actually play that at. So uh, if you're going to go to www.essence.com slash blackgirlmagic, um, uh, make sure your volume's turned down if you're in a public place. <laughs> or if you really love to hear giant explosion ads, then turn up your volume. Turn all the way up. Um, but this picture of Serena Williams is awesome. It's great. Um, yeah, sorry. I got sidetracked. That's <laughs> no, fine. Um, I've been talking for a really long time and I have more to talk about, but we should totally talk about what you want to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, I'll quick talk about Penny Dreadful. Um, I, for a real long time, so Penny Dreadful has like had three seasons of awesomeness. Um, and uh, I did not watch any of them. And I was just confounded by all of the positive praise it was getting because as soon as it came out, everyone was like, it's so good. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll check it out. And so I like was at uh, my boyfriend's house and I turned on like the TV and saw an episode of Penny Dreadful was partway through. So I clicked into it and it was just like someone in an empty room washing some clothes or something. And like for a solid minute. And I was like, what <laughs> is going on? What is this show where nothing happens and everyone loves this show? I don't get it. And then, so I was like, okay, well, I don't have time for this. And then I went and talked with one of my coworkers who was like, I can't stand that show. Nothing ever happens on it. And I was like, oh, I know. I watched it for a full minute. <laughs> and someone just stared out a window and washed more clothes. It was weird. Um, <laughs> so I was like team anti-Penny Dreadful for ever and then um some of my friends said oh yeah we just started watching penny dreadful this person hooked up with this person and there's this gay storyline and da 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 and i was like okay well maybe i'll give it another shot seems pretty queer um and i am in love with it (laughs) um the reason that had that huge long pause is because and penny dreadful kind of explains this to you by showing you penny dreadfuls throughout like a penny dreadful is a term for like a pulpy story that's all about like mm-hmm. scandal and stuff um yeah. and so they take you to a play uh, a penny dreadful play um they talk about i think penny dreadful publications um but really that play is sh- is showing you the um the the narrative plan for each episode and for the overarching season. Like it's a bit fractally in that sense. Right. Um, and that play is essentially, um, it's this guy and a girl in a forest and, um, they do all these double entendre. So they fall, they fall for each other. And the girl's like, let 
let's go uh, I'm in love with you let's go away and the guy is all like no you can't and they do all these double entendres and stuff and it becomes pretty obvious that like he's a werewolf and he's like totally gonna murder her and um, the climax of the play is they so the whole play has just been two actors on stage talking to each other um, just over and over for minutes like however long this play is it's entirely made up of two people just talking to each other Um and with with this sense of impending doom, right? And the last like minute, thirty seconds of the play is they drop a smoke bomb. They replace the guy actor with an actor in a werewolf costume. They have hooked up a blood tube to the bottom of this apparatus that's in the woman's costume, and the werewolf like scratches at her chest and like just opens a like a tube and they just start pumping blood out of her and it just like she and then she falls down and the end of the play is just the werewolf growling at the um audience while the stagehand below just pumps blood out of <laughs> fake blood out of this woman and it just covers her oh, dress wow. <laughs> stains it all red and that is an explanation of what the show is it is for <laughs> For every 50-minute episode, it is um, 45 minutes of people staring at each other and speaking whispers and um, just building tension, just building tension, building tension. And then five minutes of blood and gore right at the end Um, and uh, and just shock value. And it's great. It's uh, once I realized like that's what it was. It really, I could really get invested because I knew like, oh no no, I know we're spending a minute staring at the washing, but that's because like, then this person's gonna die and it's gonna be this whole emotional resonant thing. Or and by die, I don't mean just like pass away. I do mean like get sliced in half and then we see their viscera fall on the washing or whatever. Oh wow, um, that's pretty. It's pretty intense. Um, none of that actually happened, but that's that's kind of the that's not spoilery, but that's like a sense of of what it is, and it's great. I love it. Um, and they have all these great actors. Um, they cast Patty Lapone in the second season, which is awesome. But like, she can't do a British accent at all. <laughs> oh no! So it's like, what is this American woman doing? Like living in the moors of wherever, I guess Scotland. But like, so she can't do a Scottish accent, and she can't do an English accent, and she's living on the moors, and she's like supposed to be really old, and like, I'm like, you, America hasn't been invented yet. Like, where are you? Where did you learn to talk? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, well, that, but that otherwise she was great. Somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. That's right. That's right. It was all her. Um, the other thing. Although was, there's actually, okay. it's just a, it's a total tangent. I'm so sorry for like no go go. Um, but there, uh, it was really. Interesting. I was reading this thing uh, about how evidently um, the American accent is. I think it's actually supposed to be um, actually much closer to mm-hmm. how English people used to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but in like the 19, like, uh, during like the 1900s, there was this whole push for received pronunciation where like the London accent, this like high class London accent mm-hmm. was, you know, distributed across, you know, England. And then suddenly everyone's talked like that. So interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I heard, yeah. I heard that it was even like the aristocracy of the South preserved the old English way of speaking, mm-hmm. um, was a theory that I heard as well. So 
you know, maybe Patty Lapone had just done her research and was uh, trying yeah, to lead the way with for the rest of the cast. Yeah. yeah um, but to be fair, whenever Patty Lapone shows up, she's she's playing Patty Lapone in a different <laughs> setting. That's yes. Different haircut, does. different costume, same person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I also want to say it was interesting. Penny Dreadful is interesting in so much as they take their characters from the literature of the time. Um from the Penny Dreadfuls of the time. Um, and so in the first season, the cast is like entirely white dudes. And like, they do have like one woman who is central to everything. Um, and then they have, that's, that's um, Ava Green's character, right? Yes, exactly. Vanessa Ives, who's awesome. Um, and Ava Green is such a good actress. Um, and, uh, and they have another Billy Piper uh, is main cast from from Jump, um, and she's awesome. Um, but her involvement in the first season is, I mean, it's she's there. She definitely is a part of the cast. But it's like it does it takes her a while to like become involved in the inner workings of everything. Um, and uh, and then they have like. One care one person of color, Sembene, who in the first half of the season at least has zero lines because he's playing the like they have the they have the adventurer character um, who like go went to Africa and explored Africa and like searched for the source of the Nile and um, and managed to get himself a Chewbacca along the way. Um, uh. Yeah, who so he like has no lines he never says anything all he's there to do is like kill vampires um and bring the guy his coat so it's very like what is going on why are you doing this penny dreadful but about like halfway through the season they go okay let's start developing some Benny and giving him like lines and in the second season he started developing like relationships with the other characters and he's the secret keeper for different characters um and you know he's getting more involved um he doesn't necessarily have much of a character life himself yet um for, at where I am in the second season, but uh, I'm hopeful. Like you know, he's got lines, he's got involvement. Like he's he is a he is a part of the party now, um, so that's good. Um, and they in the second season they were like, you know what, this show needs actual women. <laughs> so they just like <laughs> it's like every new character in the second season is a woman or a queer person, um, and uh, and it's awesome. Um, yeah, the first season they just have they have two of the like ostensibly straight characters hook up at one point, and it's Ooh. like it's. Well, okay, so ostensibly straight, like there is no straight or gay at this point, right? Like in uh-huh. in the culture, right? And so they have they have a a gay an effete gay character who um whose queerness is like is acknowledged that like you know he's he has to be married to someone and um and that sort of thing, um, but uh. Then they have these two characters who we've only seen be straight, like uh, uh, straight acting. We've only seen them hook up with women, essentially. Um, oh, maybe that's not true. Um, Dor- Dorian Gray is a character, and so he is clearly pansexual. Um, mm-hmm. And he's one of the guys who who hooks up. Um, and um, and then later it's played against one of the the one of the characters who who was in that hookup um and it comes at the end of the episode i.e where we put all the most shocking things so I, it seems like it's intended to be shocking um mm-hmm. 
but there's not really any negative consequences aside from someone bringing it up to kind of shame him. Um, no one actually cares about it. So it, it's, it's relatively toothless, um, even though it's played for a shock. Um, and then the second season, they completely embrace queerness. And um, that guy who, who did have the hookup has like a joking flirtation with the, the gay guy who becomes part of their party um, and is kind of more integral in the plot. Um, and then Dorian Gray falls in love with um, a street, a rent boy, essentially, um, uh, who is passing as a woman um, or not passing, I guess, as the case may be. Um, and uh yeah it's interesting it's cool um cool. i like it how is uh how is josh harnett in it um yeah when i heard that he got cast in that i was like that seems interesting i guess um he's Ooh, fine i guess like uh hasn't really changed my opinion in my mind on anything um yeah he's good he's not bad like mm. but i'm not like Oh, he's the best. And similarly, yeah. like, I have to say, like, I love Billy Piper, but not because of her work here. Like, it's great work. Like, again, it's just, it's like the Josh Hartnett effect. It's like, I yeah. know what Billy Piper can do because I've seen her in other things. And mm-hmm. that is why I love Billy Piper. And I'm so happy that she's on this show. And, um, you know, what they give her to do, she does really well. Um, but it is, it's definitely like the Vanessa Ives show. Like, this is all about what Ava Green can do. Um, yeah, and every it, other cast yeah. member is kind of ancillary. I was, I was, I, I remember when, when I heard about Penny Dreadful and, you know, Josh Harden was in it. And I saw a bunch of interviews with him and people were asking him, like, like why, you know, you were, you were like the big heartthrob um, movie star of like, you know, the early aughts. And then you disappeared. So, like, what happened and why? And it was interesting because he was talking about how, you know, he you know, he never – he was, like, very kind of disenchanted disenchanted by fame and, and fame mm. culture mm-hmm. and, 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 and intentionally decided to, like, not pursue it. Um, interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. And then and then so – And, then and so this he, is a perfect role for him then. I mean, it's like – Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of yeah, hidden away and dark and mysterious in it. It's good. Yeah, because he was he was he was talking about how like you know like the films that you know he he's been continuing to to so he 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 didn't uh, uh, dislike um, filmmaking or or telling stories um, he was, he just kind of disliked the whole fame machine and so he I, he talked about how we wanted to use his celebrity to kind of raise up interesting stories that wouldn't normally be able to t- be told without you know interesting without his you know uh, that celebrity star power behind that he, it that he, yeah. Yeah, that, that he could bring to it. Um, so, like, he's mostly been doing, like, small indie stuff and, like, you know, writing and directing stuff. And so I was like, oh. So, like, he, like, whether or not the, the merits of the show aside, like, he chose to do Penny Dreadful for a specific reason because it was scratching some kind of itch in his head mm-hmm. or in his psyche. So I was interested in, like, what what um, what the show did for, for that. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's also interesting. So the show initially sets him up as a romantic interest for... Vanessa eyes and then immediately like forgets that. Um, and it comes back to it later on, maybe in the first season, definitely in the second, like touches upon it. Um, at this point, like if you're coupling everyone off, like they're the two odd ones out. Um, but, uh, and, and so they kind of have moments where they're like, will you escort me to the ball? No. 
okay, I thought we were flirting, but I guess we weren't. Cool. Peace out. Um, but it's all because of secrets, everyone. Everyone has secrets. Um, yeah, and so it's interesting that he is in this series filling that heartthrob role, um, or he's filling that like male romantic lead role, um, but he's not actually, like they're not engaging in in that storyline very much. Um, so they cast him for when they need that storyline and they tease that storyline. Um, and you can be a fan of that coupling, but it's not the focus of the show in any stretch of the imagination. Um, cool. Yeah. So, and, and it is, it is a great show in terms of like, like, as I said, it's the first 45 minutes are all about building tension and developing the relationships between people. And, um, pushing the plot but you know via the characters um and so it is it's all beautifully shot and um well put together um yeah it's just a lot of fun to sit in and then you know at the end you're gonna get some gore to make it all worthwhile Mm -hmm. (laughs) great yep well, um, like we're almost at an hour, so I should probably just save um, <laughs> my Star Trek review for actually when yes, you actually tell watched me, tell it. Yes, tell me, tell me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so um, that's been the show. Uh, if you want to contact us, um, please reach out to us um, on Twitter. You can do that at, at QPDPod. Um, and you can um, message Anthony and I separately. Anthony's at, at Sanguine. That's K-U-H-N-S-A-N-G-U-I-N-E. And I'm um, at Queriously. Um, queer and then I O U S L Y. If you want to email us, we're at queerpresentdanger at gmail.com. Also, leave us in a rating on iTunes. Um, and also, I mentioned this last time, um, we, we, we transitioned to SoundCloud, and I am unsure if anyone is actually able to hear us. So. <laughs> Uh, please, um, uh, if, if you have managed to, um, to, to listen to this right now, um, something that I found is, um, uh, by unsubscribing and then resubscribing to the podcast, um, on iTunes, I've been able to, to get back on track with getting the, my downloads to me naturally. Um, so that's a little (laughs) thing that you can try. Yes. Hot tip. Definitely. Definitely. Um, if you want to read what we write, we blog at scarletbetch.com or geeksout.org. Um, and Jason has uh, another podcast play by play. That's play X play the podcast featuring the best plays you've never heard of and the people who make them. Uh, you can sign up for updates at www.playxplay.org. I've been Jason. I've been Anthony. And you were in queer and present danger.